You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. So I want to take you to Joshua chapter 1 and Psalm chapter 1. Real quick, two verses of Scripture we're going to read. Joshua chapter 1 and Psalm chapter 1. And both of these are transitionary passages. Joshua is the leader of the children of Israel into the promised land. They are getting ready to go into the promised land. And on their way, Joshua begins to speak here, and he gives something at the beginning of a book that's very relevant to us today. And then Psalm chapter 1, the first chapter I preached or taught about it, This past Wednesday night, the blueprint, and I went through the whole thing. It is the blueprint for our life, getting back to the blueprint. And I talked about that, but it is a transitionary passage of Scripture because it is an introduction. That first psalm is an introduction to the remaining psalms. And so there's something in that that I'd never seen before the way way I know it now that sets us up for the rest of the book of Psalms. So here we are at transitions, and they're both saying the same thing. Joshua chapter number 1 and verse number 8. This is the Lord speaking to Joshua as he's getting ready to go into the promised land. And look at what the Lord says. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Now, I want you to pay attention to that. This book of the law shall not depart, say it with me, out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate. There's that word, meditate. Somebody say meditate. Meditate. Therein day and night, that thou mightest, mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God lets him know my favor will be upon you when my word will not depart from out of your mouth. Psalm chapter 1, we often focus on the first word, blessed or happy, because we're in this quest for happiness, is the man that walketh not, the counsel of the ungodly standeth the way of sinners, sitteth in the seat of scornful. But verse 2 is where I want to draw your attention today. Not the negative, but the positive. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate, what? Day and night. Same thing, same thing. They're saying the same thing. Day and night, his delight or his desire, his desire is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So I want to preach to us, if I can, on this very first day of the year, New Year's Day, the power of the spoken word. This is my number one New Year's resolution this year. I felt like God spoke it to me Wednesday in my office and said, this is what you need to do. This needs to be your focus. So I'm preaching to you today my number one New Year's resolution. And I also believe 
that after I was studying through that this also was Joshua's resolution. And he realized some things that he mentioned at the end of the book that I'm going to give to you today. Would you pray with me? Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your wonderful blessings. You are so kind to us. We are so undeserving of everything that you give to us. Pray, Lord, that your word would have its way in our heart today. Let the word of God manifest in us. Change us. Make us like you. Make us ready for that soon coming day. Let the blood wash freshly over us, God. Let us live in that covenant of your grace and your mercy and your transforming power in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Greet somebody around them. Amen. Tell them I'm glad you're here today. Amen. If you don't know them, introduce yourself to them. If you don't know their name, glad to have you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Sister Rutland, for the beautiful songs, even if they're songs we know. Thank you so much. Would you give her a great big hand? Leading us into worship. I appreciate people that will just lead us into the worship, amen, of the Lord. My number one New Year's resolution, I'm not preaching my number two, three, four, and five resolutions. You don't want to hear about the diet, the house, the dog, my wife's trip to Paris. It's our 20th anniversary. She's been begging me to take her over there. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I did see that flights are going up. But I have heard that preachers get cheaper fare if they offer to be a chaplain on a boat. So maybe we'll, we'll make it. It may take us a couple weeks, but we'll get over there. I don't know how that's going to be. Those things pale in comparison to my number one resolution. As they entered into the promised land, God told Joshua, my favor will be upon you if you will remain in my word day and night. If you, Joshua, will have a relationship with my word. What did he mean by the law of God? He meant the instructions, his pathways, his ways of living. If Joshua, you will walk in the ways that I want you to walk, my favor will be upon you. The blessing of the Lord will be upon you. You won't want for anything. Happiness, blessedness will rest upon you if you will do the things that I'm teaching you to do. And of course, God's ways are above our ways. And He loves us more than we love ourselves. And His ways are best. They are in our best interest. We don't always realize that. We don't always know that. Sometimes we resist against that. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, Pastor Ryan did such a phenomenal job just giving us the lesson about how the flesh and the spirit are wrestling and warring with one another. And we were talking about why it's so easy to give in to the flesh when we really need to surrender to the spirit. And here Joshua, at the beginning of his book, when he writes, he lets us know that the the main thing that God told him was, Joshua, stay in my word. Stay in the law. 
Let it be in your heart day and night. Something happens along the journey. Joshua goes into the promised land. We know the story. And in the conquest, they're obeying the Lord. They're driving out the nations that are in rebellion against God. They're converting the nations. Those that want to follow in God's ways, okay, you, you can do so. They're going around and they're possessing the land. And as they go around to possess the land, Joshua gets to a point where he said, okay, I've led you in, but now what God wants you to do, I, I, we've taken care of the main, the main resistance, the main things, but now it's up to you, your family, your own community. It's up for you to take responsibility for your own household and to go in and for you to possess your own land. Joshua literally lets them know, I can't do everything for you. And that was the logistic of possessing the land. But at the last chapter of the book, he gets back to the main thing. And that is having a relationship with God and his word. Personally for yourself. It's almost as if Joshua realizes I can't do it for them. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what I do. This is the man that was selected by God because when Moses goes into the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, Joshua also is allowed to go in there and the glory of the Lord comes in there. And when Moses goes out, Joshua remains. He has this relationship with God and the presence of the Lord. He loves the Lord. But Joshua realizes, I can't do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. And he says this in Joshua chapter 24 and verse number 15. If we would go there, the last chapter of the very book, he starts out by saying, I've got to have a relationship with God. But now he ends it this way in Joshua 24 and 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. That old English word, ye, we don't use that anymore. But what that means is it's a plural form of you. He was collectively, individually giving them the charge that you have to choose for yourself who you're going to serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites and who land you dwell, he's letting them know. He's saying, look at how that ended. You want to serve them? Look at how that ended for them. The gods on the other side of the flood. Yeah, where are they? The gods of the Amorites. Yeah, look, look at what that's done for them. He says, and here it comes down. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The revelation in that phrase is this, of, of personal responsibility. That only I can determine the God that my house serves. That only I can determine the relationship that I have with the Lord. Joshua's saying, I can't do it for you. You have to have a relationship for yourself. And Joshua says, but as for me, my responsibility is not to run around and, and, and babysit you and hope and try to convince you. He said, my responsibility is that I got to focus on me. I got to get my house right. I've got I've to have my relationship with the Lord. I have to have the Lord in my life. And in this, he's letting us know. It opens the book and he closes this book with this reality, 
that if we want God's favor, then we must have this relationship with God. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Okay? So we understand. We've got to have a relationship with God. So we go to Psalm chapter number 2, and here in this psalm, He's talking about the blueprint for life. It is laid out. This is a beautiful psalm. This is one worthy of your study. And in this, he's laying it out. He's letting us know that the happy, the happy and the blessed life is that that delights or desires the law of God. The law of God, not just being the word of God. It is the word of God. And, and, and the Holy Bible that we have now. Yes, that's the word of God. But more than just being words or an ancient script, it is the very breath of God. It is the instructions of God. It is God's will and God's ways. And this word must be my delight, my desire and my delight. And he says, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So Psalm 1 is teaching us to guard against, we know this, to guard against the influences of the world and to make God's Word the dominant influence in our life. It starts off by contrasting the ungodly and the godly. It says, Happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And we see that there's a progression in there. In each, in each uh, 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 category, whether you're walking, standing, and sitting, there is a drawing, a, a, a nearness, that a progression that is happening in uh, one's company with evil, walking in the way, then you're standing, walking in the council, standing in the way, and then you're sitting. It is a resolve that this is where I'm at. There's this progression that takes place in the ungodly, in the sinner, in the evil, or we could say in our natural fleshly nature. But there is a contrast with the godliness, godly, he said, those, he said, those, they delight in the law of the Lord. And in his law, they meditate day and night. So we see here that Psalm 1 is telling us to guard against the influences of the world, but, but it's mostly focusing on making God's word, God's instructions, the dominant influence in our life. So the Lord ought to be the major influence in our life. Yes. Right. Not the world. Right. Not your career or your job. Right. Not your family. Right. Not your friends. Yes. Right. Not Hollywood. Right. Not whatever the celebrities are saying or whatever. God and His Word yes. is to be the dominant Hallelujah. influence in our life, yeah. and everything I choose, and everything I do, and everything I am, I'm not to be influenced by the things of this world, but by God and His Word. How do I get to that place? Well, you get to that place by meditating day and night in the Word of the Lord. So what does it mean? What does it mean then to meditate in God's Word day and night? What does this mean? How does this actually play out? How does this actually look? Well, I'm going to tell you. Does anybody in here ever talk to yourself? Thank you, Aaron, for being honest. 
He's listening, Mom. He was the first to raise his hand. Thank you, kids. You talk to yourself? It's all right. I talk to myself all the time. It's always embarrassing when Janelle walks in on my conversations <laughs> with myself. You want to ask, how long have you been listening? You know. You talk to yourself. Okay. I talk to myself. So what if I could tell you I found Bible for you to talk to yourself? Now, it's not just talking to yourself that's going to help you. It's what you're talking about. And it's what you're saying. Look at what it says here. Okay? You meditate day and night. Here, here let, let me just go through some simple things without getting into too deeps of studies. I took my collection of Bible studies, or my study Bibles, rather, down and had them on my desk laid out. I had about seven or eight of them. And I was reading through this, and it leapt out at me. The Carthage Study Bible says that this day and night meditation, or this, this delight and desire in the Word of God, is characterized by the consistent <coughs> contemplation and internalization of God's Word for direction and obedience. So there is a consistent contemplation and internalization. It's not just I'm thinking about the Word of God, but I'm actually internalizing the Word of God. This is not just an ancient script that is written, but this is actually the very words of God that are relevant to my life. So I'm internalizing. The Grace and Truth Study Bible, and here was my interest peaked. To meditate means to murmur in low tones. I was like, well, I do that. <laughs> this is good. The term evokes a mind absorbed with truth. Meditate, the ESV study Bible, describes an active pondering, perhaps even a muttering to oneself in pursuit of insight. You hear the truth and you keep repeating it and you keep saying it over and over. The Hebrew Bible, which is translated by probably one of the four most Hebrew scholars, Robert Alter, today, he, he does his own translation, a Jewish man of just the Old Testament. He's not a Christian, but he translates it. He translates Psalm 1 and 2 as this. But the Lord's teachings is His desire, and His teachings He murmurs day and night. In the notes, he says the verb haga means to make a low muttering sound, which is what one does with a text in a culture where there is no silent reading. Here we have a clue to something that's happening. Back in these days, they did write. They had the ability to write. They weren't, they weren't uh, uh, just illiterate, helpless people. Moses was schooled. David was schooled. Here he is, obviously, as he's writing so much. There's, there's things that we see. They, they, they had their wits about them, but largely 
the word of God was taught orally, and it was spoken orally. And the way that you retain the word of God was through oral meditation, memorization. You would memorize the word of God. And when they memorized the word of God, they literally would go about their day when they're not in conversation and they would quote the scripture and they would meditate on the scripture and they would recite the scripture and they would speak the scripture. I want to talk to you today about the power of the spoken word. What did God tell Joshua? Let's go back to Joshua 1 and 8, and I want you to see this. Because what he's saying in the psalm is he's saying, His delights in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate, or doth He murmur. What does it mean to murmur? Well, if you look it up in the dictionary, to murmur, it's a low, consistent tone. You're not yelling it from the housetops. It's a low speaking, a low muttering, but it is a constant. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still water. There's this recitation. There's this murmur. There's this muttering. Look at what God tells Joshua. In light of this, God speaks to Joshua in chapter 1 and verse 8, and he says, this book of the law... Can you put it on the screen, Joshua 1 and 8? They've got to see this. You have your Bibles? Shall not, what? Depart. Depart. Where? Out of thy mouth. What was God telling Joshua? He's saying, Joshua, it's not just good enough to have the scroll wrapped up in your saddle. It's not just good enough to have 17 versions downloaded on your phone. Oh, he's going to preaching now. Am I in the Word? Joshua, we know that the law's with you. We know it's in the Ark of the Covenant. We know that the priests are holding the law. We know that they will read it every three days. We know all of that. But Joshua, here's what I am telling you. I am telling you that the book of a law shall not depart out of your mouth. Here's the revelation. The power of the spoken word is not you coming to church once a week or twice a week and hearing the pastor speak the word. The power of the spoken word is not you coming and turning on something and listening, amen, to your favorite preacher on YouTube and hearing them speak the word. The power of the spoken word is when you get the word of God for yourself and you stand up and you declare the word of God in your life. 
I got a revelation for 2023. I can preach with all the passion in the world. I can preach with all the anointing. But until you determine to speak the word in your life, it will not make a change. But if you will rise up and say, God, this year, every day, every night, every morning, every evening, I'm going to declare the word of God in my life. Hallelujah! I feel the Holy Ghost in the house today. Whoa, somebody praise the Lord today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah! Yes. I got to speak the word for myself. I've got to speak it in my life. That's what Joshua said. He gets to the end of his book and he said, you can do whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. Everything I've done is not going to make a difference in your life. He said, it doesn't matter how much I want you to be victorious. It doesn't matter how much I want you to be an overcomer. You've got to get this for yourself. And I have to be careful that I'm not more focused on your victory and I forsake my own. He said, but as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. So I resolve in 2023 to talk to myself more. But when I speak, it's not my words that make the difference. It's his word that makes the difference. It's his word that we can declare in our life. It's his word. Come on, that's going to set my trajectory. It's his word that's going to establish my foot, my footsteps. It's his word that's going to determine, amen, the destiny of my life if I will speak the word of God in my life. Hallelujah. 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 It's not just good enough to turn on a song that sings about victory. You've got to get victory in your own heart. It's not just good enough to come to a place where a pastor is filled with the spirit. You've got to get the word of God in your own spirit, in your own heart, in your own life. Oh. This is crazy. Why is this guy talking about talking to himself in 2023? Mm. I'm I'm an old parent, which means I get to hang around with younger people. And when we hang around, it's all fun. It's all chaos. I love love it. Just chaos. I can take a little bit of chaos. And it's always fun. We were hanging out the other night. And it's always from Brother Montavo when we're trying to have a conversation and the kids in the room outnumber the men. Because the conversation takes like, a, a, a five-minute conversation takes, can take like an hour. Because you're trying to talk and then, oh, we, we got to stop. We got to go over here and we got to do this. And we're always like, oh, is that, is that my kid? Oh, good. That's not my, oh, it's your kid. Yeah, that's good. It's always cute when it's the other kids, other people's kids, right? It's always, it's just great. But there's something about conversation that's, that's, that's very, very, very true. You cannot successfully have two conversations at the same time. You can successfully jump from one to the other, but you cannot successfully have two conversations at the same time. Now, moms are really good at multitasking. They're better at it than, than us men. But even... 
Even science lets us know that what's happening is they're, they're jumping from one thing to the other. And, and the reality is, is that you can miss something when you jump from one to the other. Another thing is you cannot listen while you are speaking. Now, we can try, but either our speaking will just be rambling and we're not focusing on that, or our listening is just going through the motions and we really can't retain. Now, some of the best of the best have tried to be able to have the ability to do both, but truly, when you are speaking, your mind is brought into focus. And when you're trying to say something, you can only focus on one thing at a time. And so in our conversation, us guys with all the kids running around chaos, we'll say, hold on, hold on, hold on. And then, and then we come back and we have to ask, where was I? What was I saying? Now all of a sudden, I don't even know what I'm saying. I had something really important that I was going to tell you but I can't for the life of me think of what it is. And then they say, oh, what's that smell? Oh, yeah, your car's on fire. That's what it was. I couldn't remember what it was, but you know my mind. You know how it is. Your, your, your brain has the ability to lose it in that moment. Here, here's where we're at. Here's what God is saying. Joshua, as you go throughout your life, your mind's going to play tricks on you. Your mind's going to tell you things that are not true. As you go throughout your life, there's going to be things and influences in this world that's going to speak to you, and it's going to talk to you. And so I'm telling you, Joshua, the only way you're going to make it is you got to let my word be in your mouth. Because if my word's in your mouth, you can't focus on anything else. When my word's in your mouth, you can't listen to anything else. Because you're listening to my word. You're listening to what you say. And if you're worried about being pulled away by the lies of the enemy, well, just put truth in your mouth. And the lies can't come in. You know what's wrong with us in 2022? 23, here we are. We have these little things called phones. And these things are the greatest things in the world and they're the worst things in the world at the same time. Because I can, I, can, I can tell my friends all around the world, Happy New Year. And, and thankfully, I'm on this hemisphere and not the others because they were texting me during the day saying Happy New Year, and I got the privilege to text them while they're sleeping saying Happy New Year. <laughs> I can FaceTime people around the world. It's amazing what you can do with this phone. It's absolutely amazing what this phone can do. I don't even know how we could live without this phone. I mean, you can... You can basically cook your breakfast off the phone now. You type it in. You don't have, I mean, it's, 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 you know what this phone is? It's a thief and it's a robber, mostly of time. And I am, I am preaching to you now as your pastor. And I'm preaching also to myself because I get a call. And here, here, here's what I do on the phone. I, I, I get a call or, or something comes through and I got to go answer that or I'm thinking, oh, I'm working and I'm looking up something. Even, even I, have Bible, I have Bible study apps on here and I'll get on and I'll be reading my Bible and I'll think, oh, I got to look this up. So I pick up the phone and I'm going to do a research on this verse. But when I pick up the phone, all of a sudden I got five emails, I got three critical texts and I've got two missed calls. 
And all of a sudden, I'm tending to everything on here. And, and I'm not talking about our work time, and I'm not talking about other stuff, but I'm talking about the time that this takes away from us. And then we sit down, and I'm not preaching against all this stuff because I'm on social media, and, and I watch stuff, and I enjoy life with my family and everything else. But if we're not careful, we can spend every waking moment of our day and all we're doing is we're just scrolling through everything and we have let the day go by and we haven't once let the word of God proceed out of our mouth. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't spoken the word of God. But in actuality, the things that we follow and the stuff that we follow, are we're following stuff, people that don't have faith, people that are defeated, people that are depressed, people that don't even know the Lord. And we're looking at this stuff and we're wondering and we put it down and we wonder why we're unhappy. Because the word says, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Our children don't memorize things anymore because they don't have to. We don't have to know how to count. We have calculators. We don't have to know how to do anything. And if we're not careful, we're dumbing everything down. And we're dumbing down our Christianity. And I want to just go back and stand in chorus with the prophet Joshua and say the word of God has not changed. You've got to let the word of God be in your mouth. And I'll tell you this. I've got to focus on me. All I can take care of is my house. And all you can take care of is your house but let the spoken word get inside of your life and watch what God can do oh hallelujah hallelujah and I'm hastening to a close note this the key is not in us talking to ourselves, or even in us just quoting scripture but the key is that it is our constant focus day and night, or as one study Bible said, the consistent contemplation and internalization of the Word of God yeah. in our heart. As they come to the music, our Bible quizzers, they, they take the Word of God and they memorize the Word of God. Now, I don't know what their motivations are. Their motivations may not be spiritual. They may just be to humiliate pastor at the annual pastor's quiz. <laughs> but you know what? I will suffer that humiliation if it inspires one to get the Word of God in their heart. Because they may be reciting the Word of God and it have no meaning, but there will be a day. There will be a time. There will be a point in life. Well, they're going to need the Word of God. They're not going to be able to call the pastor. It's not going to be enough just to hear a preacher, but they're going to have to say it for themselves. Lord, how are they increased that troubled me? Many there be which rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help from him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You are the glory and the lifter up of my head. Psalm 3. Yeah. 
There's going to be a time and a trial in your life where you're going to go through, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. And it's great and wonderful and beautiful to talk about the Lord to other people. But then there will be a season in your life where it doesn't do for you just to talk about God. You've got to talk to God. And that's what happens in Psalm 23 when David is writing about the goodness and the blessings of God. But then he encounters a shadow of death and he said, yay, Though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. <laughs> and he went from talking about God to talking to God. I'm going to tell you at some point, you've got to grow up. We're not just playing church for one another. We're not just here to encourage one another. We're here to encourage ourselves. I'm here. I hope you make it. But I'm here because I need his grace. I'm here because I need his faith. I'm here because I need to make it. Oh. <laughs> Oh, let's go on. I think David was echoing this very thing, the very precept, when he stands before Abimelech. He's captive before the Philistines. He has now been captured. David, the great giant slayer, has been exiled from his own nation, kicked out by his land's own king Saul, and now he is captured by the Philistines brought before their ruler Abimelech. And you know what he does? Delight in the Lord, meditate day and night. He writes Psalm 134. And the subscript says, a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. He writes this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall seasonally, weekly, continually be in my mouth. And in that moment, David's standing before the Philistines. And you know what the Bible says? It wrote that he made himself mad. They thought he went crazy. But you know what he was doing? He said, he was muttering to himself in low tones. He probably got a little excited. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. You know when they thought he was mad? When he turned to them and said, oh, Mag, Magnify the Lord with me. This guy's done lost his mind. He thinks he's back in Israel. He doesn't realize he's in prison. He doesn't realize he's captive. Oh, no, he knows. He's just delighting in the word of the Lord. He's meditating day and night. And when David spoke that word, the Bible says they literally let him go free. There was no prophet there to speak the word over him. He spoke it himself. 
And that's what I'm here to tell you in 2023, what you need. You need a church. You need a pastor. You need, you need the body of Christ around you. Yes, all those things are biblical and all those things are right. But you know what you need? You need to speak the word in your life. Turn off the things that are robbing your time. Turn off the things that aren't important. Push, push down all the things that are stealing your priorities and get back into the word of God. Start in the book of Psalms. Just start with one and, and start memorizing it. Start quoting it. Go throughout your day and just speak the word of God. That's free. It doesn't cost you anything. But it'll give you everything. I close with this. We have a type in the Old Testament. There's a type and a shadow throughout all the Old Testament. And there's one specific that is very critical. I love Psalm 18. When I was a kid, I would sit down. I probably need to do it again, but I would sit down to the piano and I would open up the psalm and I would try to make the psalm a song. And so I would sing these songs. One of the psalms that I did, I did was Psalm 18. And I would just make up my own song to music. And what I found was it helped me, Brother Steve, be able to memorize the passages better. I still to this day will go back to the homemade songs that I made to quote certain passages of Scripture. Psalm 18 references something. It references that the Lord is my rock. There's a scene where we specifically have this issue of the spoken word. Have I preached long enough? Am I, am I going too long here? Is this okay? All right, good, because I'm not going to quit anyway. So. I felt the Lord tell me to preach as long as you need to preach. So this is it. This is the last thing. But the children of Israel come out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, and they need water. They need water. They're going to die if they don't have water. And so the Bible says that, of course, he brings them to the Jordan. He gives them manna, but he brings them to this rock. And this rock typified everything. It typified the Messiah that was to come. It typified their salvation. It typified their hope. God was their rock. In Psalm 18, David says, the Lord is my rock. We know in the New Testament that rock was Christ. We know it references says, you will either fall on that rock and humble yourself and be broken, or that rock will fall on you and it will grind you to powder, meaning there's judgment. There's two ways that you can handle God. That rock was Christ. So Moses is, is up in the mountain for 40 days. And Moses gets this incredible revelation of who God is, the footprint, the typology, everything, the tabernacle. One of the things that happens in the wilderness that's so unique, it's the, actually the thing that keeps Moses from going into the promised land. He comes to the rock, and the first time, what does God tell Moses to do to the rock? What does he say to do the first time? Smite the rock, right? He tells him, smite the rock. So Moses takes the staff, the same staff he had put in the waters, waters parted, same staff he had caused all the plagues with, and he comes over to the rock, and Moses takes his rod, and he smites the rock. Now that rock was Christ. He smites him, and when the rock was smitten, out of it flowed water. Fresh, refreshing, drinkable water right in the middle of the wilderness. It was like an Evian fountain right there. And imagine, imagine what that must have meant to them after wandering in the wilderness, needing the water. Smite the rock. And he smote the rock. That, that was a typology, even though it actually 
played out to their advantage in that moment. That was a typology of things to come. That the Messiah that would come, the rock that would be, would be smitten. And when he was smitten, there would be a flow of rivers of living water that would come and refresh. Jesus spoke about that when he's at Samaria with a woman at the well, and he speaks to her. He says, the well you drink of, you're going to thirst again, but the, the water that I have to give, you'll never thirst again. He was fulfilling that typology. That typology was set, and God was using Moses. He was using him to establish typology. So God now says to him again, go back to the rock, and, and they needed more water. What, what did... What did God tell Moses to do? He said, Moses, speak to the rock. And what did Moses do? He smote it. Moses was so used to using that rod. He was so used to his demonstration, so used to whatever. And in his rage and his anger, Moses did not speak to it. He went over to that rock, Numbers 20 and 11, and he smote that rock. And when he smote the rock, God, out of his mercy allowed the water to come out to bless Israel. But God in His wrath spoke to Moses and said, Moses, that was a type of Christ. And Christ will not be smitten twice. He will only be smitten once. And after He is smitten, He will rise again. Never, never to die. Never to submit. Never to succumb again. And Moses messed up the typology. And God said, this is so wrong and this is so important that the people of God know that Messiah will only be smote once and out of it will come rivers of living water, but he will not be smote again. Next time you need him, he won't have to go to the cross. Yeah. Next time you need him, he won't have to manifest and come down here and suffer again. He already paid it. Next time you need him, all you've got to do is speak. God, God said, Moses, this is so important. I've got, to, I've got to convince you. I've got to teach you, and I've got to teach everyone else. And God said, Moses, you will not go into the promised land. You will not get into the promised land. No one thinking that Messiah will be smitten more than once will ever make it into the promised land. But when you understand He's already bore our transgressions, He's already bruised our iniquities, all you've got to do is speak to the rock. It's 2023, the first day. Maybe you're here hoping to turn that page on 2022 also. Maybe you walked in with sin and pains and addictions and afflictions and things. I'm here to tell you, the good news is that Jesus doesn't have to be smitten again. All you've got to do is speak to the rock. All you've got to do is speak to the rock. And you are the one that determines the spoken word in your life. Stand together with me. This is what David said in Psalm 18. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. He said in verse 2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, 
my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation and my high tower. In verse 3, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. You got to speak to the rock today. Somebody needs to speak to the rock. Somebody needs to turn off the TV, turn off whatever else you got to turn down. Pick up the Word of God and say, God, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It's your Word. It's not just an ancient script, but I will meditate it upon day and night. I'll meditate. I'm going to mutter. Your children ought to hear you talking the Scripture. Your children ought to know you're speaking the Word. This is why I am a huge advocate of still bringing a physical Bible to church. Because you know how many times God speaks to me in the middle of the service and I've got to find a word? Now, He may be speaking to somebody else, but He's speaking to me, and there's a word for me, and i got to get there, and i got to open it up, and I go, and I look at that man. There it is. Right there. Wow, I need that. I needed that in my life. And, and you go through, and there's, I need the Word of God in my life. i got to see it, and i got to speak it. It's not just good enough to have it. But don't let the Word of God depart from your mouth. So as pastor, I pray for you. As pastor, I pray for you. Pray for every family. I pray for our household units. I have my list and I go through and I pray God's covering. I pray for your marriage and I pray for your children and I pray for your young people. And I thank God for that. I pray. I say, God, let me speak the Word of God when I preach, not just my ideas and not my opinions. Lord, I pray. Get Andrew out of the way. Don't let my opinions and my emotions come across when I'm preaching the Word of God. Let it be the Word of God. Don't let them remember me. But at the end of the day, I remember that it doesn't matter what I speak. What matters is what you are speaking when you get in your car. And when you get to your home, what are you saying in your heart? There's a power of a spoken word in your life. And I can only say this from experience, that when I began to speak the Word in my life, Everything changed. So as we open up this day, a new year, I open up these altars. Would you join me in a New Year's resolution to say, God, I got to speak to myself more. I got to speak the Word of God. God, I, I got to turn some other things down, and you've got to be number one in my life. God, I, I've got to be guilty of, of being heard muttering the Word of God. Lord, it's got to be in my heart. It's got to be in my life. And it can't depart out of my mouth. Come on, would you find a place to pray all across this place? Come on, don't worry about who's around you. Don't worry about what they're saying. Don't worry about what they're, what they're going through. I want you just to pray for yourself. You can come to an altar. You can pray where your pew. You can pray at the front, the balcony, wherever you need. Come on, God's not, God's not limited by our location. Amen. But He's looking for an open heart. He's looking for a heart of surrender. He's looking for someone. That'll open up and say, God, I, I'm speaking your word in my life.